stand by. You're listening to the Naively Optimistic Podcast with your hosts, Eno and Gary. The ego is saying, what's happening here? It's an opportunity for spiritual growth. Do you still think the royal family were... What is going on lads? How are we? Hope you're all having a fantastic week thus far. Another day in paradise, what? AKA level five. A massive apologies for the delay with this episode. Please forgive me. It's been a bit hard to record the old uh, podcast with the restrictions, but look, you can't keep a good thing down and such is the case with NLP, so we are back. So, I'm joined this week by Eno. Many of you will have already heard Eno over on the Patreon with me. He joins me for the exclusive spin-off shows over on Patreon, including the infamous Naively Pistimistic, which, as you can probably guess, is our little sister show over there where we knock back a few blue wickets and talk unfiltered madness about a myriad of hilarious and mad subjects. Definitely, definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of the show and would like more content even, or even just to support the lads. And as always, we absolutely appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. In this episode, however, my and Eno dive into all things MH370, the missing Malaysian airplane which disappeared off the face of the earth back in 2014. We have a look at the official story before lashing into all of the crazy alternate theories surrounding this bizarre event. However, before we kick off into this episode, I want to give a shout out to our official sponsor of the podcast and they are Martina's Kitchen. If you're like me and potentially struggle with the nutrition side of training, I would highly recommend giving Martina's Kitchen a look. They have been doing bits for me the last couple of months, helping me shed the last of that lockdown blubber. Like many of us, I went a bit bananas on the Alminis and Banshee bones over the lockdown and absolutely blew up. But Martina has managed to tame this beast just about and save me from myself. So Martina's Kitchen, in short, is a meal delivery service here in Dublin. They prepare and deliver all of your meals for the working week, all for a tidy number of 60 euro. They're practically giving it away. <laughs> but three meals a day for five days a week and the menu changes every week and it's honestly divine. All high-protein, rich, delicious meals that will help keep you on track with your fat loss slash muscle-building journey. But don't take my word for it. Head on over to Instagram and check the lads out at Martinez Kitchen Meals and have a little flick through there. Have a look at the pictures and some of the feedback from some of the customers. And if it's for you, daily get in touch with them and give them a go. I'm delighted anyway that I started with them. So a big, massive thank you to Martina and, of course, the great Jerry for helping me go from flab to fab the last couple of months. <laughs> but yes, on to brass tacks. Episode 33 with Young Master Reno is upon us. Enjoy, lads, and I'll see you on the next one, all right? This and Troy. <laughs> <laughs> you remember everyone used to do that back in the day, Dan and Jer? Yeah, I know. And you didn't know. Yeah. You're like, yeah, Susie and Jess. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what are you on about? Wait. 
I completely forgot and about that. The gas thing is you aren't actually trying to be like 180 degrees no. funny. You're actually just like, why are we just throwing random people's names in? I'll just throw two names When I said to you, in. I was like, Shina or something. I was actually such a fucking mongo back in the day. Like, So when everyone goes, let me introduce it to me two pals, Dan and Jeremy Flex. And I'd be like, yeah, fear Crit and Ronan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, fear on what? Awesome. <laughs> the whole thing obviously is Dan and Jer for the other spanners out there that didn't understand that. Awesome. Um, but come I here. love it. Uh, you know, Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok. Taika. Oh, yeah, man. You, you yeah. said that to me years ago. Watched that years ago. Yeah. It took me years later to watch it. Sat down and watched it and I really enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. it was just one of them. It was just such a, like, um, just a change of direction. Really enjoyable. But, 100%. But I love that character he had with the English bloke. And uh, he's like, let me introduce you to my friends. And he has like two guns like yeah. this and Troy. <laughs> <laughs> the best character in that is your man, the rock fella. Do you remember the, the Mad New Zealand? Yeah, accent? that is him. Piss That's the director. Remember that? that? Piss off, course. Yeah. Jerry, we came oh up with God. the voice for yeah. that. The bouncers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from New Zealand or something, is he? What was that again? Because like it's in the film, when anyone's seeing Thor Ragnarok, um, there's like this big, huge rock continent right and What's he's like this stocky again? animal his name is like Korg or something like Korg, that right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh but he has this really like you he's know so polite, like yeah. so polite and he's Gentle. like uh can everyone put away their weapons when they finished do you mean <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he's a, and he's, oh my god the hammer pulled you off yeah oh my god the hammer pulled you off <laughs> right and then our mom was asked about it in like an interview he's like where'd you come up with the voice and he's like in new zealand there's like these big kiwi bouncers that are the biggest cunts ever but they have like really harmless like innocent soft-spoken yeah. voices and all like not tonight my friend like when they're rejecting people <laughs> at the door i suggest you go for a coffee come back in a while and we'll see how you are do you mean <laughs> Mate, your accents are stellar. Do you think Thanks so? God, man. Jesus. Years ago, you weren't even like that. I remember you used to throw, throw on accents and be like, ah, fair play. Dude. Yeah, it a go. that Mongolia, oh, is yeah. it? <laughs> no, Mongolia. Galway, man. <laughs> Galway accents, huh? Mate, honestly, I don't know. Like, me and uh, Anthony Mouse, mm-hmm. you know, you obviously know who the real Anthony Mouse is, yeah? yeah. We literally just do accents all day um, in work and we've just perfected them. But I always mess saying I'm the master of, like, one-word impressions. Like, you know what I mean? I know who he tries all day. Who? Jack Sparrow. No, no, no. You actually, man, Anthony Mouse is a dark horse, man. Anthony Mouse is like, can do so many accents, it's not even funny. He puts me to shame. But like, actually, did I ever tell you about um, in our old office, actually just popping into my head, you're one, you're one, uh, the Australian board, no? Uh, no, who, like, never. Went, who like, went mad at me, right? This is actually mad. Right? We used to rent this office in town, right? And there was only like, there was one Jacks on the ground, right? Yeah. Like, the, it was kind of like, it was a big, like, um, like kind of, what do you call them, kind of old style, like Georgian buildings, I guess, like, you know what I mean? Yes, yes, and, yes. And uh, like, four, 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 like, um, like levels on it, right? But downstairs, there was like a two males Jacks and one female Jacks, as it should be, right? And no one ever <laughs> used the female Jacks, right? But the female Jacks had this like full mirror in it and all, right? It was just way better than the blokes Jacks. And I'd always use that because, like, you know what I mean? Why not? Like, because the little, the blokes Jacks were sure, exactly. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I can, I can use whatever Jacks I like Gender in that case. You know? yeah. And uh, so I was walking into the female Jacks, and there was this Australian board who was like burrowed down in the basement. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know what she did. She, I think she had some like <laughs> no bike way. company or something like that, right? And so I was walking into Jacks, and bear in mind, I used the female Jacks a thousand times before this without anyone saying anything because there was no one ever on the ground floor. It was just one of them empty buildings. So I'm walking into the Jacks and all, you know, all I hear is this voice and I swear to God it sounded like the seagulls out flying in the air. She goes, Oi, mate! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And I look behind me and I goes, what? I goes, I think that's the ladies! Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? And Anthony Mouse was like in the kitchen which is near the Jacks and he comes bursting out as well laughing his head off going, what's going on? This Australian board is <laughs> a costing gas. Like, you know what I mean? And she literally like rear ends. She goes, oh, I think that's the ladies, mate. 
<laughs> she oh actually sounded God. exactly like the seagulls, mate. <gasps> Out of finding Nemo. Do you know them? Or, or, or. <laughs> 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 like we were actually oh, in stitches laughing that he kept doing that for months on end. I think that's the ladies, mate. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know what it is. Like it was just but such a bizarre situation. Hey, I could leave, honestly God, you could leave you in a like forty acre field and come back an hour late, you'd still have a story. Oh, honestly, God. mate, it's true. Every time we talk to you, you've something you know, going Man, on. Man, speaking of stories, we had some laugh on the Patreon, didn't we? You enjoyed it, didn't you? Mate, it was it was it was fantastic to be podding with you. Yeah. Now, mind you, it's not the same now that I'm on Spotify level. Oh, I mate, came in the Patreon level. That, bro. There was people introduced me. There was a lad in the jacks doing aftershave. There was wine and cheese being served. <laughs> yeah, it's a different story down now, here for the peasants, isn't to it? To park my own car, yeah. to wait outside the cold, to open the door. What's going on here? Like? I know, mate. It's actually a shocking service, isn't but I'm it? I'm always happy this to be This is the freemium. Freemium, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But, mate, actually, we had a large crack on the, on the Patreon. Um, yeah. Like, that was like, we had it, like, you know, we anticipated to do an hour episode. The on intoxication Princess. was balanced. I yeah. won't say that. Yeah. I wasn't too far gone. We mean, in the naively pissed mystic so anyone that doesn't know that's our little spin-off show on patreon where we have a yeah. few beverages beverageinos things yeah. get a bit Cans loose. Lilt. yeah it's killing the sperm man do you remember that mm. <laughs> lilt taking out well, your sperm yeah. one by one i could deal with it <laughs> isn't the matter who lilt just went out of the market and no one knows why do you reckon that done them in like pr was Unless, or, or unless it was actually true and like <laughs> yeah, stop like it's for, it stop sterilizing the nation like <laughs> take them it off the shelf can't like be true though mate. there's no way Lilt does your experiment you know what I mean but uh, on to brass tacks mate what are we discussing today we're talking all things MH370 mate yeah. and you know I held a little a little uh, a little comp didn't I during the week on Instagram and a few of the fans I uh, left a, a cryptic emoji sequence to try uh, see if anyone would actually guess what it was and fair play to you a lot of you guessed it right yeah <laughs> Do you know, it was actually the easiest thing ever to guess. <laughs> the Malaysian flag, a plane emoji yeah. plummeting into the ocean, yeah? There was a rent boy yeah. <laughs> yeah. from Malaysia on a plane getting waterboarded <laughs> over a random location. Do you know, right? I think yeah. I was saying this to you. I start messing with a few people over DM. So it's like so obvious it's a Malaysian flag, the plane, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay, yeah. And people will be writing back going, oh, MH370, like the plane from Malaysia. And I goes, what? Like, no, the moon landing. Where'd you get that? <laughs> yeah, they were like, there's a few people that were retaliating going, it's clearly an ocean emoji. How is that the moon? <laughs> <laughs> and then they quite relax on the honey buzzing with you for fuck's sake no but in all serious though a few um, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Jesus a good few of you actually reach out with this right so from the top right Ben Mulligan Warren Shelley Stewie McMillan Shane Harner all Patreons coincidentally oh. So fair play. Tip of the hat to you, lads. Tip of the hat, boys. Lads and ladsettes. Absolutely. Um, man, they were actually all lads. <laughs> ladsettes. <laughs> I did, genuinely, I skipped out there for a moment. So I was like, he might have said Matt's names no. and then I missed that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the oh, boy's gone, what the yeah. fuck is he at? He was a board. <laughs> Sorry, LGBTQ, oh, ABCD, one, two, three, four. I have to, uh, have yeah, to cover exactly. all the bases. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Finnegan, mm. Jamie Place, Carol De, Devaney, Maeve Macquarie, Rion Cahill, Leon McGrain, and Philippe Cantley. So well done, boys. All Fair play to you. You've evaded me attempt to shit yourself at the moon landing. But uh, yeah, no, fair play to you for guessing that right. So. Um, actually, funny enough, before we even touch off the MA370 uh, yeah. situation, do you remember, man, when I told you about that thing about... <laughs> about making the shot remember in uh in I was, me and the lads were out on this is when all this was oh, going this down gone. in 2014 when when the plane went missing initially right me and some of the lads were out in town i, have a, I have a 20 percent memory here Keep yeah 
<laughs> we were in a pub at a lock-in, yes. right? And yeah. one of the, we used to get on well with the barmaid, right? And uh, she was like, oh, what can I get you, lad? And we actually made up a drink on the spot, right? With all the hype going on. We were like, here, give us a shot there of MH370. And she was like, what? Like, the plane? And I goes, yeah, MH370. I'm not, I'm not a part of that. I'm not going to repeat me. So she was like, what's that? <laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> Sambuke, a blue wicked, right? Silver <laughs> on the bottom, blue on top. <laughs> So me and the yeah. lads, we've literally coined our own little shot there, MH370. <clears throat> so if anyone's floating around the uh, Eden Key area of town, popping to some of the establishments around there, I'm sure they would have heard of the famed MH370 uh, shot made famous by the lads. But, um, mate, where do we even fucking begin with this? Jesus Christ, MH370, the Harry Houdini of aviation, as uh, <laughs> you were joking about earlier. <laughs> Fair play to Warren. <laughs> he was actually the last co-host that I need to debut to the lads. He'll be on hopefully I, next. I just want to go on record and say I don't think Warren exists. Yeah. So if, War, if I... Warren, quote unquote, real person, here's this. <laughs> <laughs> Make yourself be known. <laughs> like, imagine like I debut Warren and it's just like one of those little scrambler effects or something like that. What's up, Warren? Pleasure to have here. Pleasure to be here, Gary. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Like getting like deep fake, do you know what I mean? Like a deep fake voice to play Warren. Oh but uh, I was only chatting to Warren earlier. He was, talk, he was actually telling me this is actually a situation close to your heart, mate. Apparently, the oh, Viking yeah. splash has gone into liquidation. Uh, that happened a long time ago. Did it? Yeah. I feel like yeah, there's a yeah, pun yeah. there actually. Sorry, liquidation. Liquid. We can do a re recording if you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come yeah. back tomorrow. <laughs> but that's mad, man. That's devastating. Yeah. As you know, me setting yeah. myself. Loads of Viking splash. We've never actually. Have you been on it? No. But I love that you're laughing because you just know what the story yeah. I want to say. Like, I didn't want to tell the story, but Gary's like, just give me that death stare. Like, you're just telling say the story it, bro. here. Someone, someone, uh, an associate of mine was actually a driver slash sailor. <laughs> slash sailor, mate. Can you elaborate yeah. on what that role entails? And he's done quite well. He loved it. And uh, it's actually quite a, like, an esteemed role. Yeah. Is the driver and sailor the same role? Or is yeah, it yeah, two yeah, different roles? Yeah. Sorry, when you said that, like, I don't know why, when you said driver and sailor, right? I was just like, what, did I actually jump off and change costume like, yeah, just as like, 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 thinking, ramp. like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go by different definitions depending on what phase they are through the whole thing. Do you mean, yeah, like, when they're on the road, you can call me the driver. Uh, yeah. When they get into the Liffy, it's like, I don't go by that term anymore. I'm actually the sailor. If you want me, call me the sailor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, yeah. Said person was actually quite. Um, he loved it. Yeah, he loved it. But yeah. he was so up on Irish history You'd that, like, be, no, if you're standing on any road in the city, he mm-hmm. can tell you a mad story from a hundred years ago, and he he tell you an interesting story, not a boring fact. Mm-hmm. So he was great at it, and he was telling like the Americans and and whatever they come over, they edit up. They loved it. Yeah. Um. I mean, not particularly the Americans, but I, you know what I'm saying, like the North American. Is it, is it gone though for definite the Viking Splash I don't know but I would guess so because I'm devastated because I mean? me and Stephen obviously co-host one um, and his board were only chatting about it there a while ago we wanted to go on the Viking Splash and get absolutely plastered but hey, put on different my, accents um, that was one of my life goals for years and I never yeah. done it. but I wanted we wanted to go on it and do different accents like so I would have played in Australian probably do you know what I mean based on earlier uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen I don't think Stephen's great at accents he'd probably just throw an American one or something like but I'd love to yeah. like just impersonate various different nationalities on the Viking Splash and just get well, absolutely you know they changed the rules it was got through with law changes on the road that the driver used to be the tour guide yeah messing and they said that that can't happen anymore 
So that broke me. Oh, so they brought another person. <laughs> and he was like, fuck this, I'm over here. So they have to bring on like another person to so act as the yeah. talk with? Ah, and guess bollocks. what was happening? He was saying that the tips are magnificent, the tips are better than the wages. What happened was the tips were getting 50 50 He's like, bollocks to this. That's shy, isn't it? He's like, oh, man, out here. Yeah. So yeah, that was it. That's that was mad, it, it, yeah. Outrageous, mate. Out fucking rageous. Now we sell them. But... <laughs> <laughs> We actually know who Ian's talking about. It's actually outrageous, man. <laughs> so he couldn't be more oh, wrong. Oh, stuff. Yeah. But uh, look, on to our pal MH370, mate. Mm. So look, when did this all go down? Pardon the When pun. did it go? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my God, man. March um, 8th, 2014, mate. Where were you? Where were you when this all went down? That's what I want to know. They were taxiing out just before midnight, March 7th. Uh, mate, that's not one of them things you actually remember. Is it you? For you? No, it wasn't that I don't quite, remember, man. Like, it is quite a huge thing. It's always resonated with me and it always will. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if someone just says MH, I'll, I'll know. But it's not one of them things where I remember where I was. You know what I mean? I haven't a fucking clue where I was when MH370 <coughs> happened, to be honest probably with you. fast asleep. Yeah, yeah, probably. Because beyond Malaysian timeline, I suppose, like so. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But this so. is a topic that has actually recirculated in our chats over the years, actually. And, uh, and I know people think like, I don't know if like the, I, I just want to preface with, because people always say conspiracy and I, like I'm not conspiracy hoot, you get me? Like I'm not just someone who chases after conspiracy, but like there's a difference between a hypothesis and a conspiracy. Yeah. Conspiracy is just this like, I think mainstream media has just always believed that if you hear the word conspiracy, lads run a million miles and mm-hmm. just take it as 0.001% true. But it's really not like that. I mean, what we'll present here, like, are like kind of like four quite substantial and reasonable um, explanations or hypotheses with evidence kind of supporting. Hundred percent, couldn't agree more. Like, because we were looking into I'm not obviously speaking well here enough. No, we're <laughs> just talking, keep it talking facts, bro. Am I, bro? But no, even Jeez, like man. we've obviously been looking at this over the last couple of weeks, and I, outside of the brass tacks, like I didn't know too much about three seventy. But after reading into it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, mm. this is like the nine eleven shit all over again, just riddled with just oddities and just bizarre shit. Like if it was as straightforward as a missing plane, like plunging into the ocean, surely yeah. it'd be as straightforward as that. But as we're gonna go through, it's, it's not the greatest. as per use. Aviation mystery of all ever, time. do you know what I mean? And ever. yeah, it's absolutely bananas. But just to give you, I suppose, a quick timeline of events. So she was traveling from where to where, you know, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia to Beijing, China. A flight that usually takes five hours and 34 minutes. And it was a uh, March 8th, it was going, it was the midnight between going from March 7th to March 8th, and they took off around half 12 uh, at night into the March 8th, and uh, yeah. Mild, low wind, like lovely night to fly. Conditions were perfect, weren't they? Perfect, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like everything was all G with that. for the most part. Yeah, product yeah. placement. Product. <coughs> <laughs> going back on every this time again. we say that, everything. Every time I say everything is all G, Enoch goes, but "That product placement, man, for you, like." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Gary even refers to himself as G. So yeah. <laughs> I think everyone refers to Gary's G, but anyway. Yeah, the close circle. <laughs> but yeah, no, less than an hour into her voyage, things started to go a bit wayward. Mm. And about an hour in, 370 was expected to enter into Vietnamese airspace, but she never did. There was supposed to be a bit of a handover going down there. What exactly is a handover, young you know? Handover. So air traffic control. So when you're in certain airspace, you're in constant communication with the air traffic control. So after about you're right an hour they're meant to enter into vietnamese airspace and they say goodbye mm-hmm. in fact the last words i heard from 
anyone on that plane, which was the pilot, which was Schlangefeuer. Good night, Schlangefeuer. Was a good night from Malaysia three seven zero. That's and, fucking uh, outrageous, mate. And they entered into Vietnamese airspace six seconds in. In those six seconds, it cha- it takes to change over from one air traffic mm-hmm. controller to another. They call that a black spot. Right. And that's the only time those six seconds where a plane is flying alone. There's no other time. Six seconds as well. Like, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. so brief. Like, six but, uh, seconds. Sorry, yeah, go on. But it'll always be picked up by the next air traffic control. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. So the Vietnamese air traffic control uh, realized this straight away, but said, no problem. The problem must be on their end. They'll try fixing. And after two minutes went by, the Vietnamese tried to make contact. There was nothing coming back. And uh, I think it was after six minutes then, they made a turn. So the Vietnamese air traffic control thought, oh, they're going back into Malaysia Airways. This is their problem. The Malaysia air traffic control will pick this up. Similarly, I think this is where the problem started, was the Malaysia air traffic control that thought that, well, they're, vin- they're in Vietnamese airspace. They'll pick this up. It was pretty soon after that, after those six minutes then, that the plane goes offline. So there's three forms of communication that a plane has. One is air traffic control. The second one is transponder, that was that which is obviously known as the black box. So it sends out a short range and a low range uh, frequency. Um, third is ACARS, which is Aircraft Communication Addressing Reporting System. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's sent to Boeing and Boeing sent it back to the, the airliner. And what that is, is they record, record all the details, altitude, speed, temperature, oxygen, all the controls, everything that's been used in inside uh, and around the aircraft. All those three went offline. That's <clears> fucked, man, isn't it? Yeah, all those three went offline. Now, just to kind of give you some um, understanding here, it's nearly impossible to knock all three offline. So the eight cars, which we talked about, the um, the aircraft communication addressing reporting system, the Boeing system, there's two boxes there that have to be turned off. One is in the main cabin where the passengers are. The other one is inside the cockpit. The, the transponder, the black box, that's inside the cockpit. Those two can be disconnected with a circuit breaker, but that would take a few minutes. And that only should ever happen by the way, it's, it's almost... A, last resort, like... Last resort like, to yeah. stop a fire. Mm-hmm. So if there's a fire occurring due to... Because of an electrical mm-hmm. fault, then the pilot has the authority to remove yeah. the circuit breaker. Whip that out there. <laughs> Whip that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop. Who knows? Maybe they wanted a fag inside the cockpit. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> joint. Sparking up a big joint yeah. in the cockers. But to lose those plus the air traffic control signal... Yeah, it's stupidly rare. Like, was per- yeah, was was strange. Yeah. Now so. there is a fourth way, but it is an unofficial way, which is called you know the handshake. Go on, the handshake. So the handshake is what's uh, known as where an aircraft, uh, or even uh, anything on the ground, sends a fre- uh, sends a frequency and a signal about its own data up to a satellite, mm. and the satellite picks that up and sends it back to its um respective station mm. so in this case it was in in this case there was a satellite that was picking up their information once an hour mm-hmm. and that's called a handshake so it's where the satellite sends its mm-hmm. information to the aircraft yeah and vice versa and what happened was there was um the space station in perth was mm-hmm. picking up this flight's information yeah. now not at the time no one thought at the time to yeah to to get actually this, but in retrospect itself, yeah. 
they knew they had that information. Mm -hmm. So that's how we know this. <clears throat> so the handshake continued for more than seven hours. So this is this is quite unusual, and this is what's opened up in a mass of theories and confusion is because that plane was in the sky for seven hours. Acting the bollocks, wasn't it? Seriously, <laughs> like it actually was. It was performing all sorts of bizarre movements, yeah. wasn't it? Like at one stage, right? So after the vanishing act, as he was talking about with the, the comms, she turned 30 degrees right. But two minutes later, I spun 180 degrees back towards Malaysia. Back towards Malaysia. I think, what the fuck's going on here? And continued in that direction for hours. And like, they were even thinking, like, why the fuck would it be going towards, like, like dangerous, like the dangerous Indian Ocean as well? Like, so, like, if the comms went out, fair enough, like, you're kind of flying blind, but like, just fucking bizarre. So, so flying for four hours for allegedly, allegedly crashing into the ocean at approximately 9.15am. You're awake at this stage, I say. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Seven hours after the disappearance, though, as Ian was saying. But this is where we're going to get into it. There's been about 150 million spent on this investigation. It's actually the most expensive investigation like into aviation kind of, I Incident, suppose, like, yeah. incidences ever. Like, yeah, um, yeah. So look, at this stage, you probably know she's still lost. We're gonna get, we're gonna make our way into it, right? But we talk a bit about the passengers and all the pilots, and all, maybe just to kind of preface where we're going oh, with this. Oh, true enough. On board said aircraft was two hundred and twenty-seven passengers and twelve crew, two of which were the pilots, ten of which were cabin crew. The two hundred twenty-seven passengers, uh, among them, were nineteen distinguished Chinese calligraphers, Gary. <laughs> Can <laughs> you believe? Mate. Isn't it mad when you go search for that info and then so they throw... Yeah, by the way, that's the only significant thing we want to mention here. Forget all your families. There was 19 calligraphers. Mate, on when I was reading that, I was stitched as well. I looked at like 19 distinguished calligraphers. It's like, what? I, I have deadly writing. Am I a distinguished calligrapher? When I, I was saw in sixth class, when I was in sixth class, no word of a lie, lads. When I was in sixth class, I won best calligrapher. In the year, yeah. You did I, not. I swear, I had to write out, out on the van the fucking national anthem, yeah, in attached writing with a fountain pen, yeah. And it was so good, they actually put did it, it up. the TG car? Mate, they actually put it up outside the class, right? And I was the talk of the school I was for a month. Everyone was like, do you see Gary's writing bus? It's unreal, it is, <laughs> did yeah. They, did they really say <laughs> <No>. that? <laughs> but in fairness, when I won... Not the was, teacher, was it? No, when, when I won, there was actually a bit of backlash, man, right? There was actually a bit of backlash because there was a fella at me class with deadly writing as well. I actually mm. would argue he'd be better writing than me, if I'm being honest, yeah. Right. So he should have won. So I don't know what was going on. Um, I think the cunt won a Yoda t-shirt or something in the raffle the weekend before or the Friday before and they're thinking look he already is getting get, get something so we'll give Gary the, the calligraphy competition but they put it up and like he was pulling he was like but everyone's like just see Gary's writing boys <laughs> <laughs> but sorry mate go on and uh, wasn't there a fella from like a Netflix special on as well some martial artist you hear about this yeah, I did hear about yeah, this, actually. He was, so, that, so there was this martial artist basically on board, lads, right? And he was also like an actor as well. And he was flying um, to Beijing to actually take part in like a Netflix special. Like, no. it's not mad, like for some a series he was in. So he was probably the most prolific person to, to kick the bucket. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, but sorry, make one, yeah? The rest. No, just, again, I, kind of, I think you're covering all bases here. But in terms of like the detail, look, there was, uh, there was citizens from, I think a total of 13 different mm -hmm. countries on board. But it's just it is just mad when they like highlight different like people. I think it's because like if there was one calligrapher, would they have left it out? I don't know. <laughs> but it's just it was nineteen. Like you have to say that. Yeah. And um, even like there was like twenty staff going from like a Chinese or sorry from an American company, um, Freescale Semiconductor. Shout out Freescale. Shout out. Yeah. Hope we <laughs> have a good Christmas party this year, boys. Are we? 
and um and even a 23 month old uh, baby sadly ah enough. fuck i didn't know that yeah yeah actually Mad. very sad Jesus. um but here you know look when something happens people are always going to want to fill the gaps you know mm -hmm. with conspiracies but i heard things that i thought were true for years and when i looked into them they weren't true like what? did you hear about this that, that there was four navy seals who killed you know seal team six that killed us oh sorry Laden. i thought you meant seals like that were Navy. Shaman. Out of seals on the plane. Friends. Painted Navy. Oh my god. <laughs> but sorry, go on. SEAL Team Six was apparently four uh, uh, soldiers operatives from mm -hmm. SEAL Team Six that killed bin Laden. Right. Apparently there's a theory out there that they're all dead now. No. Did you hear I that? I didn't know that. I don't mean to be making a sharp left in here, yeah. but I'm like, oh, this is actually something that's I'm, That'd um, be a good show actually for an L to peak. To look yeah. into, but they won't release the names. So you have people just saying that this is happening. Jesus. Here, do you know what? You've actually just sparked me there. I actually think something on Bin Laden and all that or something like that would be decent, wouldn't it? We already yeah. did 9-11, so why not? Yeah, but, um, Yeah, 100%. But look, um, to get in somebody... Look, the sky's the limit, basically, on the fucking... Pardon the pun. <laughs> Don't do tell here now. Yeah, <laughs> on these conspiracy theories. But we're going to go through the three main ones. So these are the ones that pretty, everyone pretty much talks about. So look, numero uno, I think is... In my, in my eyes, the front runner, right? Apparently, there was no left phalange. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there was something wrong with the left phalange on MH370. Oh. <laughs> For all the Friends fans out there, all the millennials listening to this are in a fucking headspin right now. They're like, um, what? what? Yeah, no, actually, out? sorry. If anything, Friends on Netflix now, so they all, they're all watching it. That was actually a fucking gas scene in French. This plane doesn't even have a phalange. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> nah, I'm only buzzing, right? But uh, no, in all seriousness, though, right? Just to preface this theory, well, yeah, this theory before we even get into it is there was a lot of heat on the Malaysian government, wasn't there? When it came to the recovery of the plane, like they were under a mad scrutiny from like the families and even just the public eyes on them as well to just explain what happened to this plane and where the fuck it is because it just it literally vanished <sighs> off the face of the earth. Yeah, the first so. seventy two hours are mad. Um, I think an hour and a half after it was meant to arrive in uh, Beijing, as we know. Probably you were gonna say Shannon there, <laughs> Baldon <Yeah>. Airfield, <laughs> and um, an hour and a half in, they still had delayed up on the screen. Away. And it was actually the Prime Minister that gave the order for Malaysian Airlines to notify the people put, like over the intercom yeah. in the airport that the plane is missing. Go away. You yeah. didn't know that. That's madness. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it was an hour and a half in. And they, they acted very quickly, obviously taking the intel based on like both Vietnamese and Malaysian air traffic control. Mm -hmm. They had a location. And that location was... Well, we tracked its location. It turned 30 degrees to the right, as Gary said, and then 180 degrees back. So they knew then that it was over the Gulf of Thailand. Mm -hmm. So then they, for the next two days, they searched there. Abbott, who was the Australian Prime Minister at the time, called up the Malaysian Prime Minister and said, let us help. There's obviously uh, Australian nationals on that plane as well. We, we want to help in the search. They helped in the search. Would you believe now, here's where we get into our first conspiracy, which is the government cover-up. Mm -hmm. The Malaysian government, right, said we're searching in there for two days. What is 72 hours? Three days. Mm -hmm. Three days. Three days after the crash, the Malaysian military came forward with intel that got released into media, which has said that we have more sophisticated radar technology than that's what it, And we followed it for three hours out into mm -hmm. the South Indian mm -hmm. Ocean. Now, why they waited three days to say that? Do you know why? 
Why? It's because they thought that neighboring countries would get hostile because they Quite. had that level of technology and they didn't want to reveal that. Now, that was that that was the official story. Mm-hmm. But why would a nation's own military conceal information to their own national airline in, in you know in, in their own country? I do not know. Um but it does allude to kind of what we're gonna go on to now, which is obviously the uh the government's cover up. So seventy two hour delay. In that time, which was there was hundreds of ships, you know, um amassed in the Gulf of Thailand. Absolute look for nothing. And in that time they found the crude oil, they found debris, mm-hmm. all of which they thought the crude oil was from well, the plane. Like, from the plane. Yeah, yeah. But they like very quickly discovered it was from uh, a, a, a leaking ship. So there was things that there was um, false alarms and mm-hmm. red flags that weren't leading them anywhere. Seventy two hours later, they head south to the Indian Ocean. They left in a search area, which was one hundred and eighteen thousand square miles. So just to give you kind of some perspective on that, that's the Ireland. That's like drawing a circle around Ireland and the UK. Jesus Christ! Like, imagine and having to search a grid of that fucking size, like for anything, like I'm perplexed. What uh, the where fuck? Would you like, start? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Honestly, God, Ireland, it's all dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's all dark. Anyway, <laughs> then you're heading south to a search area that's more than three million square miles. So you're talking about bigger than the size of the US, right? Jesus. So we just the, left it. <clears throat> one, of the, one of the first things that the Malaysian government done was. Um, they availed of a technology called the 21 Bluefin Submersible. Mm-hmm. And that's like a torpedo-shaped submarine, robot submarine, that goes down and scans the ocean floor. But the problem you have with the Indian Ocean floor is it's at parts 46 kilometers deep mm. and has its own mountain peaks, mountain ranges, and vault lines. So you have experts getting back thousands of images over the next few months. And they're just scanning and looking by eye, trying to find in all these mountain peaks and odd shapes and ranges... Nothing came back. Nothing came back. Inconclusive. However, I think it was... It was a fact you who told me about this, about the pieces being found. Yeah, no, man, I told you about that. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, in all seriousness, though, this is when the kind of more conspiracy uh, side of it kind of kicks in a bit. So, yeah, after a while, some very fucking sus <laughs> thing starts happening, right? In June 2015, in a, in a little location called Ray Union Island, which is 200 miles off Madagascar. Can't forget that, can I? Ain't <laughs> <laughs> at me there for the old figures, the, having the atlas out. Man, that's 200 miles off Madagascar there, bro. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> at then, least you do my voice a bit better than this time. Yeah, oh, Ian goes mad about how he do How are you doing my voice? You might I'm not helping myself, by the way, by, by saying, who are you doing my voice yeah. for? I'm not helping when myself. When he was in Canada, but, literally, yeah. he'd be listening to podcasts because he lived there for the last couple of years and he'd be like, man, I have a bone to pick with you. I was like, what is it? The way you do my voice in the podcast wrecks me head because I'd be doing my voice and be like, and I'd be chanting to mate in and he'd be like, what's your man? That's literally how it was. Like, it was wrecking me head. I was like, I know I'm 20% nasal, but yeah. like, you know, don't fucking do that Literally making out to the biggest, biggest bowels I've ever like when I'm doing like. But, uh, but anyway, let's circle yeah, back to Sorry, wagon. back, boys, boy. So, yeah, the following year, so the first piece washes up, right, in Rayoun in Ireland. This, the following year, the second piece floats up in a place called Pembe, um, which is 1,200 miles off Malaysia. And then the following year, yeah, the following year in Madagascar, 4,000 miles off Malaysia. Now, so this is interesting. It gives you a debris radius, fun fact, which is the size of Russia. Case this now, comes up in a trivia quiz. Case, you, yeah, you're at the MH three seven, the official pub quiz, right? Down <laughs> the board planning in there, right? <laughs> the <word> planning. <laughs> you need to know all this, lads. Do you know what I mean? 
But um, but all pieces were quote unquote confirmed to be from MH370 through their serial numbers. However, one of the leading theories is that the pieces were planted there. Explanation to follow, right? As I would say, right? I'll give you ex right. So for one, right, all the pieces that washed up were from the wing, right. So the right flap run was discovered in Reunion Island. Reunion Island. The right wing flap was discovered in Pemba Island, and a part of the right wing exterior was discovered in Madagascar. Coincidental, right? I think Isn't not. It? I think not. I don't think so either, man. To be honest with you, all three of the pieces belong to the same part of the plane, which is the right wing. Now. We need to talk about this little the event. The insurance yeah, claim. The insurance claim that went down that in 2012. Where do we even begin with this scene? I'll take us two in. Years, two years prior to said accident, uh, that same flight, Malaysia 370, was actually in a bit of a car crash. With a bit of a crash <laughs> on, in Shanghai. It bumped into like a Chinese Airways flight and the right wing, um, although Boeing went on to say it was subsequently minor damage, and it was under repair for two months. The right wing was absolutely smashed to bits, and the first six feet of the wing yeah, were. Mate, there was carnage on the runway. Did you hear about that? There was uh. carnage on the runway. The two drivers were getting out on the runway screaming their head off each other. They were like, You bumped into me. Jackie, get back in the plane. I'm handling it. Yeah, get back. Don't walk away from you. Give me your fucking details. This is all on you, pal. Who didn't do anything? Checking this, exchanging information. I'm not paying for that. Quote Devil said it was literally. <laughs> the most expensive insurance insurance claim they've ever received. <laughs> it's not women. <laughs> Get his name, my man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, this oh anyway, look, I no one is injured though. In fairness, with this little this little collision, if you could even call it that, but the right yeah. wing, as Eno was saying, was in. I would jock like it was actually lodged into the Chinese plane. There was jock pictures of it. There was pictures of the right wing, like up to six feet apparently of the right wing missing, um, and it was like lodged in this other little Chinese Eastern Airlines plane, which is madness, like. But anyway, um, on the brass tacks, right, um, because this is where we're going next, right. So when when planes have any kind of like decommissioned parts like a, like either the entire plane or a wing yeah. or an engine or whatever it goes to a place which is like kind of like a boneyard i guess like you know what i mean these They're little scrap yards boneyard. specifically for aircraft and um so in this case the wing was actually taken off obviously because half it was stuck inside the bleeding noggin <laughs> of, of that plane was taken off and brought to this little uh boneyard and it was completely replaced right so this is what makes this whole thing sussy because the serial numbers were from the wing that was with the off. old wing. The old wing that was in the boneyard. Do you know what I mean? How fucking insane is that? Like, do you know what I mean? Now, I know what you're thinking. Like, this is fucking mad. Like, for one, like, if they were planted there, like, the obstacles alone that would need it to be traversed, like, do you know what I mean? To do that, you need to go to the boneyard, whip <coughs> the, the wing out, and like, plant it. Like, put it in a current, I suppose. Do you know what I mean? Put it in a current that's going to bring it to all these different locations. But look, it's not like the Malaysian government don't have just cause. Do you know what I mean? Because as I said earlier, they were under serious fucking, um, serious scrutiny and serious pressure to, to come up with some explanation as to what happened, right? But regardless of that, there's a bit of evidence to support these wacky claims, isn't there? There is, of course. Exhibit Amy. Barnacles. Barnacles. And now I'm not just a fucking character of SpongeBob here, right? Barnacles are what? What? <laughs> 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 it, what really kind of blows the kind of uh, the hatch off this? Blows you know what I mean? Lid off it, yeah, yeah, blows the lid off this boy. Blows yeah. the emergency door <laughs> off. I was trying to look for a good pun, yeah. visual pun. Or but anyway, just forget it. Throughout this though, yeah. But look, right. So mm. barnacles. What are barnacles again? They're like little kind of growths, aren't they? Little fungi or something. Imagine like, like oversized <laughs> fungi, but like yeah. small coral. 
yeah that grow that grows on, on uh, shit and it grows like on metal it grows on wood it grows on mm. everything like once it's just exposed to the to the ocean environment like to the ocean environment but it can only grow between 18 and 25 degrees celsius yeah so this is what was interesting about these um but these little pieces that were floating up right so looking at the debris right the barnacles covered only the top the bottom and the so side this only happens right if the pieces are completely submerged while in the ocean right but when they tested the pieces that were recovered, they, they floated, that right? That was the big giveaway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They floated. So, like, in that circumstance, like, the the barnacle growth, I suppose, would be, like, it wouldn't... It would, yeah, exactly. It wouldn't completely yeah. cover it, like, in this thing, right? And um, So, according to marine biologists, barnacles and marine fouling only happen when there's consistent submersion, right? So, if the pieces floated, then they wouldn't receive, like, equal wetting. Do you know what I mean? The barnacles yeah. would have grown, in, a, in, in like, not in the way they did, like... But I need the rabbit hole goes deeper again, right? Chemical tests also determined that the barnacles grew in temperatures much cooler than the yeah. water found in and around where they were allegedly found, like which is nuts, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. But like, and that's why France disassociated from the fines, didn't it? Really? Yeah. Well, like this is this is something that kind of interests me. Like, like, like going back, I know we're kind of putting a lot of stick on the old Malaysian government, right? But again, they were under serious, serious pressure from like the grieving families and stuff, um, and they were protesting daily. Like, man, we were looking at the clips yeah, here, you know, like there was, there was uproar, like. And uh, we might try a clip in now. We have of the families kicking off. We're witnessing a street protest in Beijing. These people are family members of those aboard the missing Malaysian airplane. A few minutes ago, they left the hotel where they've been staying for the past two weeks, uh, armed with T-shirts saying "Pray for MH370" and banners saying "We want the truth from Malaysia." They tried to board buses to take them to the Malaysian embassy, but those buses were stopped by the Chinese police. They broke through those police lines, and they're now simply marching through the streets of Beijing to get to the Malaysian embassy to demand the answers that they say they deserve. Troublemakers. Nah, money messing, right? But, like, you know, for example, right, the Malaysian government, right, this is what associates me, they were very, very eager to kind of, like... <laughs> Troublemakers. <laughs> Brush this under the carpet. Like... <laughs> Brush this under the carpet, right? Like, in a press conference, right, so when these pieces washed up, right, the, the Malaysian government were like, yeah, no, these pieces are 100% unequivocally, like, absolutely from MH370, yeah. right? No, from MH370, oh, okay. right? But the French government came out, and they were like, well, no, they're still very much... A lot to, to kind of process there now. I mean, we can't say for absolute certainty um, that these these parts are definitely from an MH370. Like there's like very strong conjectures was the exact quote um, they used and for that testing was needed to verify if it was from the plane. But again, going back to the Malaysian government, they were like, no, 10 million percent, that's the plane. Because the families run a fucking mad one. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, to me, it doesn't seem completely out of like the equation that they'd be looking to push like a narrative like this, do you know what I mean? But anyway, on to the next kind of part of this crazy tale, right? What happens then, you know? Six more pieces show up found by French officials on Madagascar, right? And the pieces end up getting held in Madagascan custody, right? The Malaysian government hit the roof. They're like, don't let 
anyone touch them fucking parts until we get down there. Yeah, we're not messing. Like that Don't well. let anyone near those fucking pieces till yeah. we get our boy down yeah. there, right? So they send the bloke down to Madagascar by the name of Zahid Rossi, yeah? Your Paulino, right? So Zahid Rossi was the honorary consult of Malaysia, right? And he was a, like a seasoned diplomat, particularly like in Madagascan diplomacy. Like he spent mm. the last four years of his career kind of tightening up the relationship between Malaysia and Madagascar. Apparently mm. there was ructions, it was uproar between them. He came in. <laughs> 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 he came in and earned it. But um, so he touches down anyway in uh, Madagascar, rents a little jammer from Hertz, right? Arranges to pick up the pieces in the AM. But <laughs> as you'd expect, the story doesn't go that way, does it? You know, no way, Jose. The chap, right? Is, as I said, he arranges to pick up the piece at 11. I'd love to know what he did in his final night. be bullets. Yeah, he's going to be bullets, bro. The chap probably went for a lovely steak, enjoyed himself. <laughs> at 11, at 11 p.m., the poor chap has probably gone back to his hotel. Doesn't the chap get absolutely riddled out of it? Gets absolutely slaughtered. His little rental car was unrecognisable, right? And it got mowed down with artillery fire, right? Um, and oh that's God. all she wrote for young fucking Ross. It was game over. The chap was brown bread. Christ. No one knows who the fuck the assailant was. He was just going to collect the the, the gear. Yeah, pretty much. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is the night before. Like, and um, but it's heavily speculated. Look, is the is the his demise was the result of this, these poxy playing pieces to be honest with you because yeah. think about it like that was his sole purpose like like poor Rossett man the chap is just out in his little rental car driving back to his hotel there's no need for it like for him to be just driving along and then the, like you know, there's like, no answer whatever for about like just to get clipped like a little bike <laughs> like a little bike like driving up beside you in traffic like a biggie smalls job do you know what I mean yeah clipped and off again artillery fire like that's so <laughs> over the top man like the car well, went with yeah, that as well like. <laughs> you might as well sent like military jets in to get him like you know what I mean actually <laughs> fucked yeah. it is well look let's take stock for a second mate what's going on right we've chatted about the wing man how the serial numbers were off the wing that had been replaced and was in the boundary yes. and now we're talking with your man getting done in like this is fucking outrageous. Like, yeah. what's going on? Like, if this was simple as just a plane going whistling and crashing into the ocean, that'd be that. Do you know what I mean? Why is there so much, like, mystery, like, smoke and mirrors surrounding this whole thing? It's bananas, like. But anyway, that takes us on nicely to numero dos in this conspiracy extravaganza, right? So we'll chat about, a little bit, I suppose, about the official story, about the comms going on, because that's what the kind of narrative they seem to be pushing a bit. And the exact reason for the comms failure is still widely debated, right? But airline experts have claimed there's only really a couple of ways that these that these things happen, right? One is major electrical fires, right? Some facts, though, according to Flight Safety Authority, right? The majority of electrical fires are caused by wire malfunctions, right? Like a wire, like overheating or like sparking or something like that. Mate, I don't know about you, but I was thinking about my AirPods when I read that. I was like, my earpod wires go a bit dodgy sometimes. Like, do you know I mean? So if you were telling me my safety inside an aircraft is down to a wire, you know what I mean? Like, what? I couldn't yeah. get over it. I was like, no, surely. Like, do you know what I mean? A wire overheating. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't know. Isn't there some staggering statistic about that? Like, one yeah. in every three flights. Three one flights in every a tree. day. Swear to God, three flights a the day. Smoke right? from this is it. I have to start to hear me. Statistics, right? Three flights a day experience in in-flight smoke problems around the world. What? Like, <laughs> I don't fancy me chances, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know how many flights there are a day, but three is bad enough. Like, God. look, look. apparently, I was reading a bit into it, and apparently most of them are just extinguished in seconds by the crew, and pass, like, and the passengers never really know. Like, thank fuck. But it's still a major issue, apparently, for airlines around the world. I don't have any pilots listening to this, but tune in, lads, let us know, or fucking DM us or something, because I'm paranoid. I mean, not look, I mean, after that. <laughs> but, um... 
But yeah, look, uh, airline experts do claim that this will be a potential reason, right? Comm systems could go down, well, like within a few minutes, like, um, and this could potentially explain the sudden 180 degree turn that young 370 did. However, this theory would not explain why the plane made a second turn, right? Last thing they'd want to be doing, surely, would be flying over open war when no comms, right? Also, the final transmission, as you pointed out earlier, they were in fantastic form. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, like when they were chatting away to, like, fucking HQ, like, li literally, like, there was no signs that anything was wrong. Like, do you know what I mean? It was grand. And, um, like, cause surely, because if there was any sign of fucking faulty wiring or whatever, or smokes inside the cockpit, like, they'd be ringing back HQ, like, going, like, fuck me, it's scorching in here, boys. Do you mean any extinguishers around there? Like, do you mean? like, they were in fantastic form. So that's what's so sussy about the whole thing, like, because, you know what I mean, um, there would be evidence that, you know, all was not fucking well, yeah. you know, on, on 370, like. And again, it happened literally just when they were switching over to the Vietnamese. Gosh, what? statistically. You are more likely to be struck by lightning than to experience an issue in a Boeing triple seven. No, grandma, I wouldn't. Still wouldn't fancy me chances, man. After this, what? this at the, well, do you know? Are you serious? I swear to God, the older I've gotten, the more afraid I am of flying. I don't know what it is like. Yeah, it's the reverse for me, though. Yeah, man, it's. I've been on like when I was born, man. I was like fucking six months or something on me on me first playing on the black pill, right for the stags. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously though, like I remember, um, like I've just been on planes like fuck since I was younger. But the older I've gotten, the more that's celebrity. Life, I am like, yeah, that's it, man. Um, I'm just more paro these days about being on flights. Like I think the last plane I was on, obviously like pre rona like probably I think it was Amsterdam or something. I was actually a nervous wreck going over there. I was like, oh my god. But um. This has led experts to consider some other ways, some other reasons, sorry, that the craft could have lost all comm systems in under 10 minutes, right? And the only other way that this could happen is if someone sabotaged the plane and removed the circuit breaker on board right now. On a bone, some facts here, right? On a bone 777, it's located above the pilot's mallet, right? Pilots are instructed, though, never to touch it unless it's an absolute emergency, like, fucking, like, proper last resort type thing, right? Um, unless it keeps like tripping or something like that it's not the story you know isn't it like mm. if it's like tripping non-stop yeah and they even have to alert like air traffic control apparently to say listen this yeah. is what we're doing and why um, and yeah so there was none of that chat but after the plane went missing they looked into the backstories of some of the pilots you know this is your territory I think this is where we step into conspiracy number o two now number o two now we love it Get <laughs> <Okay>. your <laughs> own language bro so um Heading would be probably uh, suicide by the pilot. Now, I suppose, let's just jump back in there. Uh, pilot Zahari Ahmad Jah was 56-year-old, had flown more than 56,000 miles and been a veteran, uh, like. veteran yeah. of the game. No, veteran, man. Say it with me, veteran. Yeah, tell what Stubbs say. Veteran. Yeah, veteran. <laughs> V-E-C-H-R-I-N, veteran. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Zahari yeah, was... Um, would you believe it or not he has his own YouTube channel and there's still videos up there you Fuck can check off. out? Mate, isn't this mad? There's so many mad things that surround this that we're going to touch on now in a sec. But like, even one of the things, like the pilot had his own YouTube channel yeah. about him showing people his flight simulator at home. That's actually mad. I didn't know and that. And it's still up there. Yeah. So you, you just Google uh, Zahari Ahmad Jah. I don't know how you spell Jah. Yeah. Zahari Ahmad. Even just Malaysian pilot. Mm. YouTube channel and you'll you'll see his YouTube channel there but uh, yeah so look those things that were happening and surrounding this man's life in the days leading up to him case in point three days minus flight his wife and two kids leave him 
from the house, right? The stain. They left him, yeah. Two days before the flight, his mistress, who was 30 years younger than him, dumped him by go WhatsApp. Away. He was ripping his, his wife off. And the like, whole time, yeah. Go away, madness. She probably knew, like, that's probably yeah. was all over. Like, I'm sure it was. She probably took like... the plane down. Fucking, uh, what's the crime <laughs> of passion? <laughs> uh, but, and, uh, and then one day before that, a cousin of his was involved in a political party who he was heavily involved in and was rumoured to be involved in after his career in piloting. Went to, uh, got convicted of sodomy. What's that? Like ash rape, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? I think it is. I don't need that. You know, you know that. <laughs> you're having the lingo in your game. No, I you were in prison for years, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, change my name. Legally, you're not allowed to mention that. But, um, yeah, so we're... So the, the, what they're saying is, okay, look, if you Google it, the, the media, especially in like in Malaysia, they, they established the motive very early when they heard about these man's like troubled times and the days leading up to him, what, what ensued. They said, oh, this is a guy who's um, lost it. But there's a couple of other strange things that happened. Now, would you believe when they were consulting experts, they did not consult uh, pilots? Why? Would you believe? Just anti-terrorism just psychologists just air crash investigation but they did not consult pilots mm. we'll get onto that later but one of the things the pilots was saying was was that he done something very unusual because you know the way the malaysian military tracked the flight out over the indian ocean for mm. seven hours yeah they said he's done something very unusual zahari ahmad was born in pan am mm -hmm. and what he done was he he when he took that last 180 degree turn and then he took another turn out the Indian Ocean. That 180 degree turn brought him straight over his hometown of Pan Am. And from there, would you believe, before taking a sharp left out into the Indian Ocean and flying to, well, what we assume was, was, was their obliteration, he'd done what was called the tip of the wing. And apparently pilots were explaining this, particularly in, not in commercial jets, but in, in more private jets and like military jets. A tip of the wing is so, is one of those kind of like call it like a gesture in the air, like a tip of the hat to say farewell. Mm. So you no. fly, you fly on your side ninety degrees for a moment, and that's what when he took a sharp left to go out into the Indian Ocean. Before doing that, he done a tip of the wing, leveled, and then done a sharp left out into the Indian Ocean. And he'd, and the, some people were saying that that was a big tell because that was a pilot, that was a very like uh, Swan song look, cultured yeah. pilot. <laughs> tip of the hat yeah I'm out yeah you know 370's out here look <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so um, so you, <laughs> you laugh look. The, the other thing is to look at is hypoxia hypoxia you know what hypoxia is no it sounds like it's a disease it? no it actually is the opposite it's supposed to be quite pleasant uh, as described by professionals, astronauts have to go through this training as well. Right. Hypoxia is when the altitude increases so much or you're depressurized in the cabin that oxygen no longer goes to the brain. And when that happens, you go unconscious, but it's, it's meant to be quite a pleasant You love that 24-7, man, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, <yeah. laughs> I lack a feed to the brain there. So um, what the... What, what the uh, Malaysian military noticed was that he climbed 9,000 feet, sorry, mm. 8,000 feet in 15 seconds. And what he believed, he, what they believe he'd done there was he, he by depressurized de the cabin, mm -hmm. depressurized the cabin, climbed 9,000 feet, 
and knocked everyone out unconscious. But do you know that the oxygen mask ha- the oxygen mm. masks fall when yeah. the, when the cabin is depressurized the oxygen masks fall when that happens there's each mask gets twelve minutes of oxygen that's it mm. everyone but there's extra oxygen in the cockpit for the pilot right but what happens is if you climb at that altitude mm. that that rapidly while depressurizing the cabin people go unconscious before getting the chance to put the masks on no so that's called a ghost flight. Fuck off. Yeah, when there's when there's like literally two hundred dead souls in the back. No and you're just what? riding solo front. That's yeah. fucked me. Oh, I know, isn't it mad? How like how but often has that happened in in history? Like like that doesn't I, happen surely like on like commercial planes. Like I mean like None that we know of, yeah. like I mean That's like I don't know. That's quite that's quite amazing, like. Yeah. But but there's a couple of things that led to that suggestion. In order for that to happen, as you alluded to earlier, they had to have um pulled the circuit breaker out. Right to stop a fire, and if there was a fire in the in the cabin, they would have had to to um, depressurize the cabin to put the fire out. Meaning there was no longer oxygen, and yeah. people would have suffocated. But again, like that, they, they wouldn't have known anything about it. Now, what they believe will happen was, we go back earlier. Remember the handshakes, mm-hmm. the satellite picking up the signal once every hour. The flight flew at thirty nine thousand kilometers mm-hmm. in the first hour, but they don't know what happened after that because the Malaysian. Uh, military lost it after that but it was traveling 600 miles per hour each hour for seven hours before it lost fuel and went so it lost fuel after eight and a half hours of flying for what was meant to be a five mm. hour 45 minute journey so the there was two pilots that didn't know each other but by putting their theory out there online they met each other and they came up with the same theory but by different conclusions they reckon they know where the plane is. Oh, fuck off. Go Isn't on. this bad? And they were never consulted. Enter Byron Bailey. Right. He's a pilot, experienced pilot, commercial jet for mm. Emirates. The other one is Mike Kane, who's also an experienced British. pilot for British Airways. Oh, ah, sadly enough. Very Kane, bro. I was like. But both of them have simulators at home. Yeah. So Mike Kane is a chief pilot for British Airways. Mm-hmm. Byron Bailey is just an exper- experienced commercial pilot for Emirates. Both have Boeing 777 simulators at home. Mm-hmm. And they ran through on their system what might have happened. Right. And they think a couple of things happened. See, at 39,000 feet, if you run out of fuel and fall, that's called a death dive. Right. And what happens is, is that you go down on a spiral and pieces mm. come off the plane and you would hit the water at 1,000 kilometers an hour. Right. Meaning the, the plane will break, break into a million pieces. And yes, piece, way to go on it. pieces would have been found yeah. everywhere by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what they say happened was, and their theory is this, when they re- ran through the model based on the fuel, mm-hmm. right, and based on the weather conditions and the weight of the aircraft, because as you know, the Malaysian government released the itinerary, that they were able to run through that model on their simulators. Mm. And what they found was that, no, if there's no pieces, it means he landed. And what they mean by landed is that he cruised at a low altitude before yeah. running out of fuel, then glided to Into a the land sea, like, yeah. and basically put himself and everyone else in a tomb mm. going under. That's why there's no pieces. Because right. it wouldn't break up yeah, yeah, yeah. from a low altitude glide. Mm-hmm. But he, what he said was that he's about 120 kilometers south of the lowest search point. And they should have checked there. But because they never checked this model or this theory, they never went by that. Mm. Now, he gave coordinates. He said, check, latitude 3910, southeast, 88, 
18. He mm-hmm. said, this is your man Byron Bailey. He's on like the news and, and his own YouTube saying this. Mm-hmm. I'll put my house on it. It's around there. The plane is around there. He said, yeah. yeah. He said, because if, if it was anything else, we'd have evidence. Interesting. There's a few people like that even have, like I've said to you beforehand, like there's a chap who thinks he knows roughly where it is because he's, he's at the point of a lot of trackers on sharks. <laughs> <laughs> God, please and, go on. Yeah, what is this? Like, so this is what his whole thing is, right? So he's at the point of a fuckload of bleeding trackers on, on sharks and like the way sharks like, I guess, submerge and re-emerge, they, like, like in that part of the ocean, they had only raised a certain altitude. You can even use the term altitude on top of the sea, yeah? But the way know. they come back up, yes, they yes. only come back up if there was something in their way. Apparently, when they're down that deep, and they reckon the way they keep going up is because there's like something there, like an obstacle, i.e., like a plane. Do you know what I mean? No now way. That's, that sounds bad. That's freaky, you know. I was just reading about it the other day, and I was just like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe he's just looking to get into the sun. Do you know what I mean? The Herald for the weekend. <laughs> I'm not where 370 is. Me sharks are telling me. <laughs> <laughs> me sharks are telling me. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Come on, yeah. No, I mean, look. In insofar as that theory, that's that's what it. Now there's a third and final theory. Mm-hmm. Enter Doctor Sally Leavesley. Welcome Sally. Welcome Sally. <laughs> so obviously the boys in Malaysia, who the Prime Minister Hussein was like, look, we don't know where this is. Give Star Street Guard a station shout there. Get Sally there. Yeah. So they got Sally on the line anyway, and they're like, Sally, look, we need to have a aperture. Sally's the anti-terrorism expert for uh, the actual the, the UK, actually, mm. not, not Star Street Guard yeah. station anymore. Like she was there. She started out there. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Sally Leavesley is an anti-terrorism expert mm-hmm. and has helped solve many many a issue. And what she believes happened. And she cannot be, she's on record as saying, you will not convince me of otherwise. This was a cyber hijack. Go away. And a cyber. Sal, you build that garden, yeah. Sally. Trying fucking incendiary. Allegations theories. like yeah. that. Allegations <laughs> out That's heavy, that Go is, back that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a cyber hijacking, you know. Cyber hijacking. Do you know Honeywell? Yeah, no, go on. I uh, Honeywell work with Boeing right. to create the software for mm. the for the for the airplanes for the aircraft, but it, it's believed, but it's actually illegal mm. in most countries. But they believe that Honeywell created um, a software with Boeing in two thousand six, mm. which means that if there was a terrorist attack, Boeing would know about it and they'd be able to remotely pilot the plane and land it. Go away. Even with the terrorists trying to manually do it, they can override it from remote Remotely location. Remotely hijacking like planes and all. Air, yeah, vehicles, aircraft. That's mad. I yeah. never hear about that. Like here, like 100%. could anything be remotely hijacked? Like what like, you mean? Like a Lewis or something? Like. <laughs> I don't know if terrorists have much interest yeah. in that. <laughs> on a Lewis and the thing gets taken over. She Remotely, has. yeah. Get the green line. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, sorry, this is my stop, let us off. Sorry, driver. <laughs> oh my god. That's obviously uh, their natural first interest. Yeah. Like, what do we do? <laughs> Get the red line at 6 pm on a Monday. Like. <laughs> Man, and Lewis getting remote, remotely hijacked. It's killing me. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, Doctor Sally Leavesley said she collected evidence from twenty six different countries, yeah. and the reports that were shared, some of which have to remain confidential. She said that I am um, well, my mind will not be changed. This was a cyber hijacking, and Wait. and 
by the US government. Oh, that said, garden, Sally. Bow with your daisy. You're not saying that, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Sally's off a fucking titchy and strong shit like that, isn't she? Wagging that yokers. Yeah. Oh, stop. So, um, now, what, what, what actually, what other people actually, independent researchers done on this? So, you know what the victims, the victims' families got mm-hmm. shared the manifesto of the cargo. Right. And they changed it three times. The first they said those 2,500 kilograms of lithium ion batteries. Mm-hmm. Oh, like. Who the fuck yeah. goes, yeah, can we just <laughs> check in two and a half? The calligraphers. <laughs> they have no idea calligraphers checking in about 200 pounds of batteries. What <laughs> 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 It was 4,000 pounds. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, 2,500 kilos, yeah. And, uh, They're electric fountain pens. <laughs> Yeah, me HP laptop. I just want a few spares. Like, I mean, what would you be doing with that? But then, what they noticed is they changed the name of that. Then they call it radio accessories and chargers. Right. And people don't understand what this is. And like a lot of rich families have got like lawyers after them and to explain what it is. So they're not answering. Right. But what Sally Leavesley was saying is that there was cargo on board that plane mm. that was meant to be government-to-government exchange of contraband or cargo, mm-hmm. right, military or something of interest to other governments really? around the world, right? But the way to transport it was through a red-eye flight on a commercial jet, which no one would have known. Mm. But she reckons the US knew about it and cyber hijacked the plane. So what she reckons happened was that's why the steers happened. That's why the systems got knocked offline. That's why... They went where they went and they flew over the Indian Ocean. But you're saying, flew flew over the Indian Ocean to where? Exactly where is an island called Diego Garcia. Mm. Now, Diego Garcia was occupied by the by the US military in 1971. They just invaded the island, kicked everyone off the island, killed anyone who refused. Really? Yeah. Fuck and off. since that time, no photographer, journalist or civilian no. who was not military has been allowed to enter that island. That's fucked, man. So this island is completely dedicated to military activity, yeah? Yeah. If Google, US, you, can, like, you can literally Google it, Google image it, Google maps it. Away. Diego Garcia, Indian Ocean. And they use that as like a military stop off, mm. right? 1971. Now, there's a neighboring island called Kudu Huvadu, if you can remember that. Right. Kiona Matare. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Simba and the boys are watching this, fl- <laughs> this flight. No, there was, there was two journalists went there a couple of months later, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Farah Ahmad and Ahmad Naif, right? Mm-hmm. Were two journalists that went to Kudu Huvadu. And interviewed the residents. And they mm-hmm. said, yeah, in the early hours of the morning, while well, still bright, we noticed a low-flying aircraft. Now, that's a neighboring island to Diego right. Garcia. And they said it was too low. It was too low to be a normal jet. But it was flying very low and was flying south towards Diego Garcia. And uh, and for that, the, the journalist said, can you describe the plane? You wouldn't guess what plane they described. Air Ireland. <laughs> 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 the boys are back in tune Steve <laughs> Tails <in her. laughs> like, the Irish violets lost in the middle of nowhere outside the Echo Carsey shoy bollocks <laughs> I knew we missed that turn for fuck's sake <laughs> Declan don't fucking start me now I'm warning you <laughs> I'm not paying the e-flow on that in 200 metres turn right I know you turned this fucking thing off all the good it done us <laughs> 
They gave oh a maps God. going 90. Two, boys in a propeller over the Indian Ocean, like, <laughs> meant to land in what, the Isle of Wight? <laughs> in the boat for what? <laughs> this whole concept of Irish pilots lost in the middle of fucking... <laughs> That Diego oh, stop. With it. oh stop man That's outrageously funny Some gash crack But um <laughs> Anyway Now Enter Guys this is where I want to blow Blow your zamoins away <laughs> Enter 64 year old Retired Amateur Right Air crash investigationist Peter McMahon what, Peter, Peter McMahon is a Is a resident of Perth in Australia I and say what he there, spent Do you know he spent for Four years Right In 2018 Went through pixel by pixel of mm. Google Earth looking for irregularities in the ocean to see Go if on. he could see it. What do you find? He thinks he found the jet. Come on. And if, honest to God, listeners out there, even the Malaysians who are listening to this podcast, if you Google yourself. Because <laughs> you're a thriving Malaysian listener. <laughs> you have a huge following. I saw yeah. your following. <laughs> Malaysia, the Malaysians are, are up there near the top. But, um, he took a screenshot of what was an irregularity and what he thought looked like an ocean. Mm -hmm. And what he said was that his screenshots were messed with. Now, they are. Like, if you mm -hmm. check Peter McMahon, a screenshot of M370, yeah? MH370. There's a lot of websites that, like, like deliberately fuck with it. Like, they deliberately Photoshop in a stupid, like, <laughs> The scabbiest looking yeah, plane. Like, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. To try debunk him. Mm. But what he said was that, no, I had more images that are taken down. And he, every time he reposts them, they're taken down. And he says the side of a plane with bullet holes in it. Right? And uh, he said it's it's a plane and mm. there's a cabin and it's the Malaysian air flight, like the design. There's also, but, uh, there's also like the wing, like it's in, in situ. But if you see, if you get to get to see some of the images, there's some websites that are still showing it. But if you see some of the images... It's actually quite amazing. You're like, how in God's name is this airplane shape mm. in the water? Like out in the middle of nowhere, like this perfect balanced symmetrical airplane yeah. shape. So check that out as well. Um, but yeah, Peter McMahon's uh, screenshots of Google Maps. But do you know that Google Maps took that down? So if you Boy. go back to that location where he found that, they just put in a normal sea pattern. Away. It's not even. It's, yeah. it's probably like probably like madly blotchy. pasted in as well yeah. or something. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't even look like the sea anymore. Exactly, blotchy. So there, there obviously are three theories there, but it is mad when you think about the hypoxia theory that he flew for seven hours. Yeah, with with like whatever it was, two hundred and eighty people dead mm -hmm. in the back. Yeah. Um, but it, it is mad when the pilots talk about the location. Mm-hmm. Is saying that the reason why you, if if there was a death dive, you'd have found pieces everywhere, all yeah. over the place. But he said, but because there's no pieces, you have to assume that there was maybe a glide mm. and a landing. And therefore, if there was, you're checking the wrong location. Yeah. So mad as it is. Now, enter finally Richard Smith. Do you know who Richard Smith is? Richie Smith now. Richie, but Dick Smith. <laughs> <laughs> He's the chairman of the Aviation uh, uh, Association. Right. And uh, he's a former, like, stunt pilot of the past, then mm -hmm. turned military pilot, then turned commercial pilot, and then trained people and done many things in his life. But he's saying is the reason why the searching has stopped, if, I mean, obviously, depending on what's really happened, but what we're led to believe in the public is that because the funding was pulled. Right. Right? The Australians can't afford it, the French mm -hmm. can't afford it, the Malaysians can't afford it, the Chinese can't afford it. 
But he said, 4 billion people fly a year commercially, right? Pre-COVID. Right. But he said, if you put 10 cent extra on everybody's ticket, you'd have 400 million a year. Oh my God. That's more than enough to put submarines, ships, yeah. everything out in the ocean. Put 10 cents on everybody's ticket. He said, because like you're flying in a pressurized tube on the edge of space. Mm. Like it's in our interest to find out where and if these things go wrong, how they go wrong, what we can learn. Mm -hmm. So it's in our interest to research it, dig it up, like find it, uh, bring it back and learn what we can if it's in the bottom of the ocean. But um, they've pulled all, they've stopped to this day, they've, they've given up searching. And the families to this day have no answer. And it's very sad when you listen to the families talk. Yeah. Because the families have said that they've had to go to therapy and part of therapy is is uh, writing your own ending. Isn't that oh, sad, isn't yeah, it? what the fuck? That's very fucked up. Like. Yeah. But like, they have to write their own ending as to say that my, my daddy went to sleep and that was it. Like, and he knew nothing about the crash. Oh, go away. But that's what they've been left with. The Malaysian yeah. government has abandoned them. Yeah. The Malaysian Airlines is not assuming any responsibility for this. Mm -hmm. Boeing has stayed in the dark about it. You know, so it's just like, it, it's, um, it is mad. It yeah, is, it's, it's, it's just one of the mad things of our time. Yeah. But, uh, it was quickly breezed over like. Yeah, it's nuts, like, because, I mean, like, everyone knows about 370, and everyone knows it just wasn't recovered, but I, I highly doubt the vast majority of people know the kind of mysterious events surrounding the last years when it comes to this subject, like, again, we just went into it all, but for me, anyway, just to tail off here, right, <laughs> pardon the fun, right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this whole crack about, like, the serial numbers on the wing, right? And then your man getting assassinated all in Madagascar. Like, that's the maddest shit to me. I'm like, Jesus Christ. That should be, yeah. If that this should be was just a, a typical plane going missing in the middle of the fucking Indian Ocean, that'd be that. Like, yeah. why is there so much mad shit happening? Like, yes. assassination's like a spy novel, spy novel or something, isn't it? It is, um, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, dodgy cereals on wings and all. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, For the very fact that the French disassociated with the find. Yeah, the Malaysians before even collecting the evidence said we found it. We knew it was a crash, and the French said no. It's we we're actually going to wait on the evidence. Thanks. Yeah, Do you know. It's and then small. like you like you alluded to earlier, the barnacles are yeah. Sorry, the barnacles are another fucking totally thing. inconsistent. Like yeah. they're like if it floated four thousand miles. By the way, Pemba Islands, which is on the east of Africa. It's 12,000 miles away. So that gives you a debris radius the size of Russia. Yeah, like that's madness. Like, do you know what I mean? So if it floated there, <laughs> that means the underside that floated would mm -hmm. have, like there's meant to be inconsistencies with the barnacles, but there yeah. wasn't. It was perfectly distributed all the way around. Yeah. It's mad shit, it is. But look, lads, let us know what you thought realistically. Like, um, like for me, I'm a bit fucking, I'm a bit rocked by the whole thing because like I really didn't know there was that much weirdness around and i really like for me as just a, yeah. a typical joe soper in ireland i was just like right they never found that in the story but when we looked into it we we're like jesus christ jesus christ but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that was a nice little little dive for the lads it's been a while since we've did anything uh done dive, anything man, kind of dive, yeah really <laughs> sorry mate bad choice of words <laughs> well who knows i might have landed in fucking diego garcia island or the fuck that is like mm. i mean and uh, and all the passengers and our were lo loving life now on that little military island but uh, now it's been a while since we did a fucking uh, a little dive into like anything conspiracy. I think 9-11 was probably the last one that we did um, conspiracy. So, um, but yeah, you know, fair play to me for joining me on this. Ah, uh, happy bit. to be back podding with yeah, you man. again. You know, joins me on the Patreon every month if you're interested. Um, if you have the means and the interest. Um, we obviously do massively appreciate it. Um, you can you get an extra episode a month. You can catch all the historical episodes on there as well. And... 
above all that it really does help myself and the lads keep the the show on wheel so if you have the interest or the means i know it's a tough time for everyone you know people yeah. are work etc but if it is something you, you can you can get in on we we really do appreciate it from the bottom of our far hearts so on that now we're going to leave it there right you know uns. yeah gracias Oops.